Welcome back to the Anxiety Slayer Podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my wonderful friend and partner, Ananga Sevier. Today, we're going to talk about how to slay your unwanted thoughts. And one of the questions that Ananga and I get asked most is how to do so, how to handle unwanted thoughts. We're going to delve into this topic through the month of June. And we'll be discussing how our thoughts color our experiences, how they can get out of control, and what helps settle our mind and bring more peace to our minds and to our thoughts. And this is something that we could all use some support with, that's for sure. Hello, Ananga. How you doing? Hey, Shen. A good topic for the month of June. What are some helpful things that, that we need to know? To remember that we all have unwanted thoughts and that there are times and stages in life where they can really be provoked. Changes, stress, things we see that unsettle us, we all have unwanted thoughts. And sometimes they're more intrusive and more active than others, but to be kind and know that it's not just us. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with us. And really important to remember is that there are things we can do that help. There are always things we can do to help those thoughts settle or to feel more resilient with them and less rattled by them, less disturbed by them. And. That often begins with the separation of and the understanding that you are not what you're thinking. You are not your thoughts. Because we all have loads and loads and loads of thoughts every day. And often they can be disturbing thoughts. But when you realize that you are not your thoughts and that the thoughts that sometimes come through, the ones that are quite scary, are not facts. And by working to understand this, you can really hold on to this and have more peace of mind by knowing that this is the key. This is what's true. Just because this is flying through doesn't mean it's real. I'm not going to let this stick. I'm going to do whatever I can to let this pass. The more we can do to help ourselves feel resilient in the moment and find what works for us to get us through the day with as much presence and peace and, and gratitude as we can while remaining compassionate to what others are going through. How can we live with as much peace and resilience as we can? We have all been through so much over these last few years. And just being in a space of knowing that there is some peace that you can find, that there is a way to carve it out, that there is a way to look after yourself and be in the present moment and allow for the joy that is there along with the sorrow, along with the stress, and along with the anxiety, and being able to untangle that, be with it the best that you can. and. There's a practice that, that we've talked about before that I think I'd like to dig in a little bit deeper, and that's being able to watch your thoughts and be detached by watching your thoughts or detached thought watching. Mm. And you've talked about that before, that, that 
that's an Ayurvedic practice uh, where you imagine your thoughts floating by on a stream with detachment or floating by like the clouds in the sky. And yeah. I know we have a, a guided relaxation in our Patreon that, that we have done that is helpful for watching our thoughts without becoming stuck or hooked by them. Yeah, and detachment is the key because it's when we attach into our thoughts that we suffer. So it's like people watching. You may be sitting in a coffee shop watching people go by living their lives, but it's not your circus. <laughs> it's, not your, um, it's not relevant to your life, and sometimes we can, we can just have that detached awareness with our thoughts. It's something we can practice, and it's something we'll have to keep practicing. And it's really important to understand with our thoughts that we're not just going to have one day that they're in check. And that's that. But we can evolve in the way that we deal with them when we can have things that we go to for mental maintenance, mental support. And this is a really good technique. Cloud watching or watching leaves on a stream, they're just going past all the time. Another leaf, another cloud, another thought. That's how it is in our mind. But the suffering doesn't come from the thoughts themselves. We suffer when we believe them. Right then our mind can become a tyrant, our mind can become a bully, and we become a victim of our thoughts. But it's when we believe them, it's when we take them for fact, and then if we're not careful, we switch our perspective on them and we associate into them, and then we've created a whole scenario in our head which is challenging our nervous system and escalating our anxiety, and that we can work to change. That doesn't have to be that way. It's something we can learn to, to work with. Everything's happening in our mind. Our mind can have us pinned up the wall, and it's the most awful situation. But it, it's, it's all the, the frame of reference we give things. I've had days with serious medical, uh, a serious medical diagnosis when I've been pretty calm and peaceful and accepting, and then other times with something less serious where my mind's just not having a good spell and I'll be really anxious and that's how it is sometimes so sometimes we need to take better care but I, I like to mention that there is the possibility that you can go through heavy things and feel quite peaceful and grounded and accepting and okay with it because there is that possibility but also we need to understand that the mind is going to have good days and bad days and there are days when we just need that extra care and uh, this is a good practice. It's a good practice to, to learn. It reminds me to bring forward the importance of taking a break from the drama in the world, the screen time, the stories that are created to generate fear, to get us to be in shock, to get us to be sad, to... And, and I'm not saying that it's like, okay, today we're going to try and make the entire population watching sad. That's, that's not what I mean. But, but the head, let's face it, the headlines uh, are not fluffy, little fluffy clouds, uh, headlines. They're, they're meant to draw your attention and they're meant to bring you into some train wreck that you can look at and be so grateful that it's not yours, right? But if your mind is already fragile, which all of our minds are, taking in that extra news story, that extra sadness, that extra, oh my goodness, 
that happened there that could happen here and letting it grab you by the ankle and not and not let you go. We need less screen time is my point. For sure, even if it's so-called relaxing or positive screen time, we need less screen time. Yeah. Because it's um challenging our nervous system just interacting with those devices. Ayurveda teaches that when we're looking at screens, it increases the energy of vata in our mind and in our body, and that's the energy that provokes anxiety. I've been really making a conscious effort this last couple of weeks to reduce my screen time. I do a lot of studying on a screen. I, I do our work for Anxiety Slayer on a screen. I listen to a lot of lectures, and I was thinking, okay, I need to switch up how I'm consuming content. So I moved a lot of lectures to an MP3 player mm-hmm. where I can just sit and take, take notes with a pen and paper and just listen on that rather than be looking at a screen to see how I can reduce the time because I was becoming aware that it was affecting me. It, it was bringing um, just a bit of a, a crackling energy to my head that I know means my vata is, is up. So even if we're consuming what we think is relaxing or leisurely content, if we can keep it to a minimum, that's good. Anyway, just the nature of those devices, they're working on that level that can provoke our nervous system. And then, of course, as you said, that it's a bit of a, um, a snagging environment. If you go to read one story, something on the news that you, that you think is relevant, that you want to read, they're all lined up in the sidebar to hook you in. Right. And it's just too easy to click over, and then you're on this thing and that thing. And then you're anxious because you've read things beyond your control that you're not comfortable with. Health news is terribly cleverly written to, to snag us in and make us read, and it's anxiety-inducing. It, it draws us in in a way that's going to leave us very often uncomfortable. Right. Then we can't be detached because we've been hooked. It's that, so that it takes that much more work to, to untangle that and to let that go. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like, okay, you know, now that the pandemic is unwinding, uh, let's like freak out over the next thing, whatever that is. Um, and, and, and I don't want to say that it's not real. I, I'm sure it's real, but not to the degree that it needs to add additional stress and additional health anxiety onto a population who is already digging themselves out of a hole after this pandemic. Yep, there's a lot going on on the planet right now to be concerned about. But we don't need to put our head in the oven to know it's hot. Right. <laughs> and, and we have a tendency to do that. And the, the trouble is when we're suffering with anxiety, we're already mentally fatigued. But sometimes if you're just physically tired, you might not make the best choice. Or conversationally, you might find yourself saying to a loved one, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm tired. You know, I'm not, I'm not at my best right now. When we're anxious, we're mentally tired. We're not at our best. So we can make choices quickly, hastily, that don't serve us well. So we really need to be creating more space around anxiety to make choices that that support us and stepping back as much as we can from habitually looking at the news or spending time on screens and checking in with our body. How do you feel after you've done something for 10 minutes? Something that you habitually might look at. How do you feel when you stop? Do you feel more relaxed? Do you feel positive? Do you feel tired? Do you feel anxious? What's your heart rate like? What's it done to your nervous system? I'm really just taking an inventory of that. That's also a big teaching in an important teaching in Ayurveda is that we watch ourselves not in a anxious, hypervigilant way, in a kind way. Mm-hmm. In a very gentle, not scrutinizing way, just, oh, I'm just noticing I did that. 
and I don't feel so good afterwards. Being aware and being mindful in that space is so helpful and it does take some practice. Yeah, and I think when we feel anxious, we don't always have the space to know what's affecting us. Mm-hmm. So we can just feel at the mercy of anxiety or that it's just random and it's just going to come after us in a random moment, but there is cause and effect. And the more space we can create around it, the more we can look at, you know, did I have a coffee? You know, have I seen something that's triggered me? What, what is it? What's affecting me? And these days that's my practice is to just stop and ask, okay, I'm feeling a bit sideways. What is it? Um, sometimes I'll use some tapping to just go through that and see what that brings and, and what calming that then results in. But it's just important to have that space where we can ask, okay, did I eat something that's upset me? Have I heard something that's upset me? There's cause and effect. And with anxiety, you can unpick it. You can backwards engineer it and see what's causing us to have the flare and uh, what can we do about it. Labeling our thoughts can help too. When we use simple, brief labels like worrying thought and then look for other thoughts and label them happy thought. (laughs) The idea is not to be too attached to either happy or worrying thoughts. And when we get attached to our happy thoughts, we can cling on to them and then worry about losing them. Worry about wait, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop, if you will. And we can learn to be grateful and present with the happy thoughts with the understanding that they will pass as well. That thoughts really are like the weather and they're always changing. And clinging on to the good ones and dreading the bad ones isn't, isn't healthy for us. So what is healthy for us is practicing letting it all come and go, labeling it for what it is, letting it go. Yeah. Of course, we have a tendency to want to hold on to the good things and we dread the so-called bad thoughts. Mm-hmm. But if we can practice letting them come and go without such an intense impact on us, we'll feel less anxious. I was listening to a lecture a few days ago with somebody that I very much respect. And he was talking about some teachings in the Bhagavad Gita. There are so many verses in the Bhagavad Gita where it's recommended that we learn to tolerate. And the examples are used like heat and cold, happiness and distress, the winter and summer seasons, tolerating it all or being equal to it all. And somebody was asking the question, you know, how do you learn to tolerate things that are uncomfortable? And his response was to practice with the things that are comfortable because we're supposed to have equanimity. We're supposed to be equal to all things. It's easier to practice with a happier moment. Not that we're negating it or denying it. We're just not clinging to it. It's just Mm non-attachment. So we can say, you know, in this moment, I'm I'm happy and, and I'm grateful for this moment, but not that we're trying to pin it down and have it last forever. And then we become scared of what's going to come in on it because we're trying to nail the moment just to let it flow. Be grateful, be present, but not grasp it like trying to hold a cloud in the sky and, and hold it in place. And I thought that was a really good teaching that when we practice in the easier moments, non-attachment, then we can practice it in the more challenging moments as well. That was really helpful to me to ponder that. Yeah, it's a good one. And because when you do that too, you can have so much gratitude for that moment 
while letting it go. Being in it like, a, like the breath, breathing in, breathing out, taking it in, letting it go. Yeah, just being with that ebb and flow, like when you watch the ocean, wave comes in, you're not going to try and pin it to the shore and, and hold it because it's exhausting. And it's not going to happen anyway. It's not within our control to do that. It's absolutely exhausting. So yeah, to just be in the moment. But the, the irony with it is when we cling to a good moment, we bring in tension and, and often fear that spoils the moment. We're not living it with gratitude and presence anyway because mm-hmm. we're having that. What's something we're going to talk more about after the break? Yeah. After the break, we'll be responding to a question we received about waiting for something bad to happen when things are going well. The Anxiety Slayer podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Life can be overwhelming sometimes, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Many years ago, at the end of my corporate career, I remember having many days where I struggled to get out of bed. And even though we often associate burnout with work, that's not the only cause. If you're not feeling like yourself and this is resonating with you a bit too much, please consider seeking out support from a therapist at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Anxiety Slayer listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash slayer. That's betterhelp.com slash slayer. Recently, we received a question from a listener asking us about how she could allow herself to enjoy the present moment instead of waiting for something bad to happen in that time that things are going well. And I can relate to that. I know you can relate to that. And a number of our listeners have have brought this up where things are going along beautifully, famously. We are in this zone. And yet there's that shadow. There's that, well, enjoy it now because it's not going to last. And before the break, we were talking about letting the happy thoughts go and letting the scary thoughts go and understanding that thoughts are very much like the weather. But this is a little bit different when we're, when we're waiting for something bad to happen, almost like it's a toll that we have to, to pay for the happiness. It's quite challenging. Yeah, it's a really uncomfortable experience. And it can come because it's our nature to do that, like an anticipatory anxiety, which I've shared in recent episodes, I certainly suffered with when I was younger. And I would feel almost like I'd paid a tax where I was got so worried about something happening to, to my parents that I'd suffer so much that it was like, even if it happened, it couldn't be as bad as what I was already suffering. It was like paying in advance in such an awful way. That was certainly something my mind would do when I was young. So that's one way it can happen. Another way it can happen is if it's informed by past trauma, we might have had experiences where we were having a perfectly good day and something happened that was shocking to us. Uh, Some bad news might have come in or a difficult experience or we may have become unwell. So then the mind can become hypervigilant and it can think, well, you know, the last time you felt okay, this happened. So it's got that kind of preemptive warning 
feeling to it. Both feel awful. Both are very challenging and they can be supported. It's going to take a little work, but it's worth doing. And this is where being immersed in the present moment makes all the difference. When we try not to think about something, we can be sure that it's all we'll think about. (laughs) So we have to redirect our mind. In, In the work that I do with Dr. Dane here in Access Consciousness, he'll often say, whatever you do, don't practice this clearing, for instance, knowing that we're all going to practice it if he tells us not to do it. Whatever you are told not to do, if you think of yourself as a kid, like, okay, I'm not supposed to have an extra cookie and I'm going to sneak in the kitchen and get that cookie out of the cookie jar or whatever. It's human nature to want to, to dig into what we think we can't have. And at the same time, to be in that space of knowing that, okay, that's true. How can I redirect my mind? How can I gently take this from where I'm at and and change this? Mm -hmm. Practice. What do we do? Yeah. You know, you tell somebody not to think about something. It's it's like a direct instruction to the mind to think about it. It is. Something that really helped me with this was from Tony Bernhardt's book. She's the author of a book called How to Be Sick. She's written about four books, actually, but this I think this was her first. Um, It's certainly the first I read of hers. She's an incredible person that lives with chronic illness. She wrote her book laying flat on her back with a laptop on her chest. Quite a remarkable soul. So someone I'm willing to listen to with respect. She has a teaching where when dreadful thoughts break into a good day, we're like a breath away from imagining them and letting them play out in our minds. And at that moment, what helps is to intervene and state the truth of this moment. So we might be sitting somewhere having a a reasonable day. We could be with friends or family or on outing or just at home having what we think is a, a good day. And then the mind will come in and say, well, what about this? What if you're sick? What if this could happen? And it's really quite like a haunted mind, the way it can do that. And if we're not careful, we will let that play out. We'll, we'll believe it as a possibility or as a truth, worse still. And then we're, we're off and we'll have created a, a scenario. And in that moment, if we can just take a breath, because what's happening in our mind, in our mind is fear fiction. It's not fact. So if we can just take a breath and step away from going down that rabbit hole of horrible imaginings and just state what is happening, what I know to be true in this moment, something so simple. I'm sitting in my chair with a cup of tea. I'm sitting with my friends on a picnic. I'm a woman having a good moment with my family. And as far as I know, in this moment, everything's okay. But just bring it back to what's right in front of your nose instead of what's going on in your head. Hmm. Brene Brown talks about this as well. I remember that she described fear breaking into a happy family moment and how she chose to hold both the, the vulnerability and the joy of being with her family. And of course, that takes practice to be able to hold both. But it's a very real experience for most of us. Brene Brown's a great teacher. She sure is. Well, she teaches a lot about vulnerability and writes very transparently and very honestly. And um, 
she's a good person to to hang out with and and read. It's, it's always helpful when our minds struggling with unwanted thoughts to fill it with with good thoughts and good people that we can spend time with and learn from. I recommend reading her books. And she has a nice quote that says, the level to which we protect ourselves from being vulnerable is a measure of our fear and disconnection. Mm. We tend to think in black and white. That's what our minds do. But there are so many colors to our experience, and the most loving and happy moments can be the most tender. And still, that doesn't mean anxiety has to wreck them. We just practice and practice and practice at softening the grip of anxiety. It's important to mention here something you and I were talking about before we started recording this week's episode that often when we're working with the mind, the best way to do it is not from within the mind, but through the body, through um, simple practices like oil massage, taking a bath with Epsom salts. Ayurveda teaches that there are lots of things we can do via the body that calms the mind, that calms the anxious nature of the mind, that calms the rate of thoughts in the mind. Uh, Sometimes just taking a warm bath with some Epsom salts and lavender oil can really calm things down and of course, if you do it regularly, then it's even more supportive. Um, so there's, there's a lot we can do physically that helps stabilize the mind. And it might not seem to make sense at first, but Ayurveda has a lot of teachings on this, and they've certainly helped me in my experience of anxiety. Ayurveda teaches that for as long as we breathe, we're going to think. Yoga also teaches this, that the rate of our thoughts are linked to our breath. So as long as we're Breathing will be thinking, but if we can calm our breathing, we can calm our thoughts. There's a real relationship between them. So they also teach that, you know, this gives us a place of influence over our thoughts. The more calmly we breathe, the more calmly we think. And many anxiety sufferers have a tendency to fixate on their breath. Not everyone, but some struggle when they fixate on their breath. So then to bringing other physical practices, mindful walking, Mindful movement like yoga, qigong, tai chi, all of these can help release stress from our body and help our mind settle under our direction with mindful movement. So it can be a really good place to start to just look something up on YouTube, a guided meditation, a guided qigong practice, tai chi, yoga, whatever speaks to you, whatever you feel you'd like to try, just make that commitment to try for 10, 15 minutes a day and see how that helps your mind because it will. One of the practices that I do every day during the warmer season is begin my day in the garden, walking around, taking a look at what's coming up, the flowers that are blooming, what is happening uh, with the soil. Do I need to fertilize? Do I need to fill up the bird feeders? And, And doing so barefoot and really clearing my mind. It's a beautiful, peaceful way to begin the day. It's such a gift because I'm so tethered to the earth, so grounded that when I do come in to get the day started and get behind the screens and do what I need to do, I've started in that peaceful space. And I notice that when I am outside in in the garden, outside in the yard, 
my mind is much calmer. I'm in that space of taking in so much beauty and, and being grateful for the huge maple trees that are around me. And this almost sounds very Pollyanna, very silly, but it's, it's not. It's simple. It's simple, beautiful moments of mindfulness that calm my mind and help me move through the rest of my day with much more ease. Yeah, and that's all we need to know. It's what calms us. We're all different. We all have different natures. We all respond differently. This morning I took a 20-minute walk before breakfast, and I could really feel that it helped me do that with the beginning of my day. We've had quite heavy rain here the last few days, so I haven't felt so inclined to walk in in the heavy rain. But this morning everything was green and the bird song was lovely, and it was just a short walk. But uh, I got to work quicker with a clearer head. I've digested my breakfast well because I've been out and moving. My my uh, metabolism was up. Ayurveda teaches that there are different qualities, different characteristics to the day. And when we get up and moving, we come out of a lower energy, which can really pull our mind down. It can make us procrastinate. It can make us feel a bit low. It can make it feel hard to get going. So anything we can do that gets us moving is helpful to the mind and the body. And yeah, it sounds like the simplest thing, but when we do it and it helps, then it's worthy of sharing. And I think I shared on a recent episode that I have a friend who suffers with anxiety. And if she walks every day, she's fine. And if she doesn't walk, then her mind starts to give her some, some trouble. So why not share the simple things? Yeah, keep moving. <laughs> keep moving. And then I, I think finally to, to mention that Guided practices are also incredibly helpful when you're trying to redirect your mind. Letting Ananga or me or somebody else that you love listening to walk you through a practice where you can be calm and relax and ground into that space and time and and give that gift to your body, that gift to your mind to just take that break. I absolutely love guided relaxations and guided practices. They're so helpful as well. And sometimes I'll be listening to those while I'm in the garden. I'll be listening to a soothing voice or soothing music when, when I'm in a, a space where, for instance, somebody's cutting the lawn or something's going on in the village and there's, there's noisy things going on that are not the sound of birds <laughs> or peace uh, to let those practices in to just keep me in that space while I'm grounding. I find that helpful as well. Yeah, I think the great thing about guided practices is again when we're anxious and we have low energy to direct ourselves to do something that's going to help us. Sometimes we just feel too tired or overwhelmed or we just feel confused and we don't know where to start. That's something we hear a lot. Where do I start? That's a good place to start. Just pick some guided practices and have them ready on your phone or MP3 player, whatever you use that's convenient to you to just click something on. And you can listen in the bath. You can listen. We have lots of listeners that tell us they even listen to the podcast when they're going to sleep or our guided meditations when they're going to sleep. Just something to shepherd you through so you're not relying on the energy of your own mind or any effort from your own mind, but you've got something you can listen to, to direct you through a nice practice. And 
We've got lots of different types, breathing, some are a little more hypnotic, some are journeys. See what speaks to you. Some, sometimes people just like to be read a bedtime story. That's a really popular thing. See what speaks to you that shepherds your mind, a gentle redirect into somewhere that feels calmer and more comfortable. Have it ready to go. And it's a great way to switch out from unwanted thoughts and settle the mind. It really is. Before we head off this week, I just want to thank all of our listeners for continuing to show up week after week, for emailing us and posting and asking questions. We enjoy so much being able to support you and answering your questions. Keep them coming. And if you want to dig a little bit deeper, dive a little bit deeper with Anxiety Slayer, you can join our Patreon. And when you do that, you can get all of our guided relaxations. All you need to do is visit patreon.com forward slash anxiety slayer. And everything you need to know about becoming a patron is right there for you. Thanks for listening.